Welcome to the Advice and Insights Podcast with David L. Bonson. Hello and welcome to the Advice and Insights Podcast. This is David Bonson. I'm the managing partner of the Bonson Group, and we're here to provide you a special look this week uh, at the Federal Reserve and what exactly is going on with their balance sheet, what that means to you as an investor, why this issue strikes some people as so complicated and why we believe it to be so extremely important, if not pivotally so, for investors in 2019. Our Dividend Cafe podcast this week will offer you a broader overview of a whole lot of topics. We give kind of a cursory overview of what's going on with the Fed there. But uh, here at Vice Insights, we like to cover one topic per week, and we like to do it uh, with enough depth and breadth to give you some useful information. And we hope you enjoy it. We hope you get something out of it, and we hope you will uh, reach out with any questions or comments you may have. But let's talk Fed. I think everyone kind of knows what took place this week. The market rallied substantially on the news uh, the sort of reinforcement of what they had already telegraphed earlier in the month that the Fed is not, in fact, uh, looking to inc- continue increasing rates and that their posture towards continued quantitative tightening and, in fact, movement higher of the federal funds rate, that they have sort of reverse course on both. My, when I say reverse course, I don't think they're going to be cutting rates. I certainly do not think they're going to be adding anything to their balance sheet, but I think that they are going to be slowing down the pace of both and pausing for the foreseeable future. And the reason being that the Fed has decided that the process of weaning off the economy that from low interest rates and from easy access to credit did end up, in fact, in the fourth quarter hitting a wall where it would prove to be more difficult than they previously thought. The Fed began raising interest rates essentially at the end of 2016. There was one quarter point hike at the end of 2015, and then the Fed chickened out for all of 2016. But the Fed really had uh, a total lack of, of interruption in capital markets as they began getting further off that zero bound interest rate and moving to a, uh, a higher um, yield uh, in the Fed funds rate. And, and so the fact of the matter is that the Fed, that the market responded very positively and now um, is in a position where uh, they uh, see the writing on the wall that the, the credit markets were not going to respond well to the buildup of corporate leverage. Uh, and the removal of of the easy access to credit that that that, that what that impact would be on the corporate economy the leverage is built up there. Um, here's the thing I want to unpack a little bit. What does this mean? What are they going to do now? Okay, they have these bonds. There's there was four and a half trillion dollars of bonds on their balance sheet. It had been let's call it between eight hundred nine hundred billion at the bottom of the financial crisis. So they sort of created a little over $3.5 trillion of new money in the financial system that really was printed ex nihilo. And they did that by putting it on bank balance sheets. They buy bonds that then sit as excess reserves. So they don't circulate into the economy. Well, they brought that down to $4.1 trillion. So they did initially through 10 and $20 billion a month at a time. It got up to about $50 billion a month. They reduced that 
by 400 billion so far. Uh, our projection, which has not been provided to us by the Federal Reserve, but just sort of based on our own researching, research and analysis of what we think they want to get to, is that they want to have um, an amount equal to the currency that's in circulation. So if you have one and a half trillion of currency and then that amount equal on top, that would be a $3 trillion balance sheet, which would mean they still have over a trillion dollars to go. And there are some that would argue that they would go even lower than that. And, and that's certainly very possible. But they have never at any point lowered their balance sheet by selling bonds that they previously bought. They have not tightened that way. They have just simply stopped rolling over. They've stopped renewing, I should say, or uh, uh, rebuying matured securities. Um, and what that does is, it, is they mature and then they kind of roll off. And it's a way of reducing the excess reserves in the banking system and reducing the assets that they are holding on their balance sheet. And so it's a, a form of tightening monetary policy because they're reducing liquidity. All right. What I think that you're going to see more of now is the Fed really changing the way in which they kind of balance short-term interest rates. I'm very intrigued with the idea that they will uh, more or less uh, adjust the interest that they pay on excess reserves as a means of sort of holding that short rate flat and holding that balance sheet flat versus um, the other system where they actually try to control the level of reserves in the system. Both of them represent a different mechanism by how the Fed can impact monetary policy, one being more aggressive than the other. But, but I think that the Fed is aware that there is a much stricter liquidity regulation for banks, that they are required to hold higher reserves now than before the financial crisis. And that um, regulatory regime is going to have an impact on the way the Fed approaches the uh, balance sheet management. So they're now in more of a general state of dovishness. Um, they see the, the real buildup of leverage in the corporate economy. Um, it isn't something I would be totally afraid of, but a lot of the ratios uh, have gotten worse. They, they haven't gotten terrible. They're not above, brutally above historical averages, but they had been far below. We had a more conservative posture in, in the way that um, corporate finance was managing their own treasury positions and, and now I, their balance sheets. And now you've seen those things start to, the, to swing the other way. And I think the Fed views it um, exactly how I view it, which is it's not a catastrophe, which is why they felt they had a runway for normalization. And yet um, it's concerning. It's not, it, it, we don't have a lot of runway. There's not a lot of uh, margin, shall we say. And, and so for them to kind of pull back on, on what they had been doing with normalization indicates to markets um, that there is at this point a very low probability of Federal Reserve intervention in the other dynamics taking place in the economy, that there will not be a constricting of credit, and therefore it uh, provides a lower discount rate to measure investments against. It makes certain um, risk assets more attractive, uh, but based on what they're measured up against, and it will probably continue the period 
of a higher return on invested capital relative to the cost of borrowed capital. And if it expands that spread, that becomes economically expansionary as opposed to potentially recessionary or contractionary if that spread were to disappear. The Fed not intervening in the cost of borrowed capital to the same degree um, and, and providing a, a kind of almost implicit boost in the return on invested capital drives some of that um, policy paradigm and it drives the landscape by which investment actors make the decisions that they make. So the swaps, uh, the spreads, the various measures you look at in credit markets all indicate that the credit markets this month have liked what they believe is more likely the Fed posture for this year. Will the Fed stay on hold with short-term interest rates all year? I suspect they will. Uh, the Fed funds futures market is what we look to to see what the market's expecting. And I'm expecting it to stay very low. Um, is it possible they may hike later? Is it possible data will change their mind? Of course. But uh, this has been such a quick and dramatic reversal of their posture that it is hard to see the Fed... Uh, uh, moving much differently from where they are now, which again is in a pause mode. Um, I do believe that the balance sheet ultimately needs to get down to about a $3 trillion level just to kind of have the, the uh, money in their balance sheet match the currency and reserves and the excess reserves match that same. That gets you to about $3 trillion. Um, so we still have over a trillion to go to really shrink at that level and achieve that normalization. Um, but who knows? I mean, there, is, there are uh, statements that Ben Bernanke, who is two Federal Reserve governors ago, uh, or chairman ago, that um, it, the economy could just grow into that size of a balance sheet, that circulation could grow to a point that that balance sheet ended up becoming appropriate from the way our economy grew. Um, but, but I also think that the Fed knows that they have too many mortgage-backed assets on the balance sheet versus the old days where they just simply held treasury bonds. And to the Fed's credit, they never went as crazy. You know, in, in Japan, they were buying corporate bonds. They were even buying from their central bank shares in companies. They were buying index funds. Um, our Fed took an aggressive posture to even buy housing bonds. Uh, mortgage-related securities, I think all things being equal, they'd rather reduce their mortgage-backed securities through time and end up with a cleaner balance sheet of United States Treasuries. Um, so we shall see what policy tools come back into play this year. But as far as the general takeaway, expect the Fed to, instead of being an inhibitor to uh, investment outlook for 2019, potentially be a facilitator and, and at worst case, a neutral actor for the foreseeable future. It reinforces what I think re represents a generational paradigm shift that the Fed does see themselves as um, taking their P's and Q's from the market and needing to, to accommodate investment markets. Um, this, this is something that many were wondering if Chairman Powell was reversing uh, as he took on such a different posture than his predecessors, Janet Yellen and Ben Bernanke did. And I would argue that the chairman um, hid his inner Bernanke far better, but ultimately that's what's now coming out 
for good or for bad, the Fed is in a position where they need right now to be on pause, to allow credit markets to breathe, and to just sort of adjust to the reality of how hyper-dependent I think both the retail economy and corporate economy is on easy credit. So that's the lay of the land. Uh, I believe that you can read more Dividend Cafe as to what we're doing with this information. Um, the real easy takeaway for you is that we're not beefing up our equity allocations, but we're not taking them down. We're staying at a neutral, appropriate weighting, uh, depending on each you know client's individual liquidity and risk profile. Um, but we, we want to be balanced into equities, not be uh, overweight or underweight what is otherwise the appropriate strategic allocation. And the Fed has sort of reinforced our position this week. In the meantime, if you have any questions about any of this or want to unpack the uh, inner machinations of monetary policy deeper, do not hesitate to reach out. And we hope you've enjoyed listening to this week's issue of advice and insights from the Bonson Group. Please do subscribe if you haven't already to the podcast. Uh, write us a review. Give us a rating. Forward it out to your friends. We'd love for you, instead of just getting it in a link, to, to be able to have this feed into your, your podcast player. And with that said, uh, I'll leave it alone and hope you enjoy a wonderful Super Bowl weekend. Thank you for listening to our Advice and Insights podcast with David L. Bonson. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.